In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Due to the awful virus that is ravaging our nation, our state, and our neighborhoods, and out of love for our neighbors, we are still suspending in-person worship for now, and instead we are worshiping via podcast. What is worship? Worship is when we offer the best of who we are and the best of what we're capable of to God as a gift, as an offering, and in return for everything that God is and has blessed us with. We offer the best of our prayers, the best of our music, the best of our thoughts, and we offer this all back to God to thank God for all he has done for us. We also do this in our daily lives because whenever we do something that puts the world back in order, that's worship. Whenever we do something that is uplifting or encouraging or points others towards Jesus, that's worship. Whenever we even do a menial job, but to the best of our abilities, that's worship. And so we, we listen and, and worship together via podcast so that God can be glorified, so that we can recognize the presence of Christ in our midst, because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, and we are glorifying Jesus for that this morning. Just two brief reminders for you. Every Sunday morning at 11.30 in the morning, we have Pacific time, we have a Zoom coffee hour that you can join in on. Uh, if you would like the information for that, you can email baptist.church at com comcast.net, and we'll be happy to provide you with the, uh, the login information. Also, coming out this Thursday on the, uh, the podcast channel, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you listen from, is going to be a prayer for our country. Uh, the Bible tells us that we need to pray for our country, we need to pray for our leaders, and usually the second Sunday of the month is when we do that in worship, and so this Thursday we will have a special uh, prayer for our country that you can use um, as, a, as an example for and a way to pray for uh, our, our country. We hope that you are, are well. We hope that you are in good spirits. But if there's something that's dragging you down, if there's a need that's in your life, please get a hold of the church. Uh, we would be happy to minister to you, happy to reach out to you, uh, and happy to lift you up in prayer. the word of the Lord from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. 
The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord, the Lord of, of heaven's, heaven's armies is here among us. us. The, the God, God of Israel is our fortress. fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he can bring destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord, the Lord of heaven's, heaven's armies is here, here among us. us. The, the God, God of Israel, Israel is our fortress. fortress. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, in the midst of all the pushing and shoving among us, in the world and in the church, propelled by anxiety and acted as brutality, you have planted yourself in all your faithfulness. You have placed yourself among us in steadfastness and abiding care, present in the day alert in the night, making us all safe and noticed and cared for. Show us your faithfulness as to curb our anxiety, as to restrain our brutality, as to overcome our alienation. By your faithfulness, renew us. Renew the church, renew the city, renew the world. Give us the safety to love you fully, to love your neighbor well in glad obedience. This week, there was a tragedy that occurred in the city of Beirut, Lebanon, in which there was a great explosion and over 100 people died and many hundreds were injured. And Lord, my prayer is that those rushing to aid those who are caught in the middle of this disaster, may the followers of Jesus show the great love of God by being ministers of compassion and help in the midst of this disaster. Lord, we have missionaries in the area, Dan and Sarah Chetty, and I ask that, to, that you be with them during this time that they be able to minister to the people who are in great need. And also their headquarters that suffered some damage that they would be able to repair that. And they would be back in order to, to open so that people have a place where they can go. And Lord, I ask that if someone in our uh, congregation has felt led to give toward this cause, that they would do so to help with the expense and them reopening. Lord, as this pandemic in, uh, continues on, I pray for those who have lost loved ones and friends to the COVID-19 virus. And Lord, I ask that you be near them if they could not be close to the one of their uh, loved ones who have died. I also pray for those who work in the healthcare in the science and the medicine end of it. And I pray that the Lord would guide their hands to fruitful, compassionate, caring, and urgent work. 
and that they return home safely to their families. And Lord, in our own congregation, I pray for the ongoing recovery of Willie Coons. And Lord, I ask that you be with him as he's going through his rehab and that Willie not give up and that he continue to prog uh, progress so that he can go home to be with his family. I pray for John Millicent and his ongoing health issues. And I pray for both he and Marilyn that, they're, that they be encouraged. And I ask that you be with them during this time. I also pray for the others in our congregation. There are many prayer requests. And I ask that you be with them and that you know what each and every request is. And I ask that their faith remain strong and that they look toward you because you have a place and plan for them. Lord, I also pray for our young church and our young people. They also have prayer requests and you know each and every one of those. And Lord, I ask that they look to you in times of trouble. I thank you for the young church, a place where they can plug into during this time of uncertainty. I pray for Melissa and Sherry and Ashley as they're there to show the love of Jesus to these young people. Lord, I pray for our hope ministry and our, uh, our ability to be able to feed those who are hungry in our neighborhood. And Lord, I ask that you be with us uh, today as our pastor brings us a message and that we open our hearts and we opened our ears and that we hear the words that he has to bring. And Lord, as always, I hope that this podcast, as it goes out over the wave, airwaves, will be a blessing to all those who listen. In your precious name I pray, amen. <clears throat> I belong here.
Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. Again, this is the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 40 through 56, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. On the other side of the lake, crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, Stop the weeping, she isn't dead, she's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, My child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If ever there was a passage from Scripture that was meant for the cinema or for a TV adaptation, this is it. There's drama, there's life, there's death. There's so much that's going on here. And there's so much to unpack that's going on behind the scenes. This story, this this account of two people, um, is appears in all three of what we call the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, more or less tell the same stories in just about the same way. There's a few differences between them, um, but they they are called the synoptic gospels because. The, the source material they come from is from similar, they, they share off of each other. That's the short way to explain it. And this appears in all three of them. 
John sometimes tends to do his own thing. Um, I guess it just comes with the name. But, but in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we all have, we see this story in all three Gospels. Now, what's interesting is in Matthew and Mark, more attention is paid to the woman's prior treatment. Uh, there's, a, there's a detail in here where she had sought a cure, um, and in other translations, uh, it points out that she had sought a cure from many doctors, and in Matthew and Mark, there is more emphasis made on the fact that these doctors took every last dime that she'd had. So there's little differences. Luke happened to be a doctor, so he really didn't want this whole doctor thing like being a, a, big, a big deal. It starts off with Jesus getting off a boat. And Jesus had just come from the other side of the lake, and he gets off the boat, and there's a crowd waiting for him. And from this crowd emerges a man named Jairus. Jairus would be to the synagogue what the church moderator would be to First Baptist Church. He organized the, uh, the worship services. He would make sure that uh, there was somebody who was, was there to read the Torah. Um, he would make sure kind of everything was, was organized and set. He wasn't a Levite. He wasn't a priest. He was a lay leader. So Jairus, being from the synagogue, had clearly more than likely heard of all of the controversy that Jesus was stirring up with among the people, the religious leaders of his day, among the leaders of the Pharisees, the leaders of the Sadducees, but he's desperate. His only daughter is dying. She's on the fringes. She's on the fringes between life and death. And so he's come for help. He's thrown himself at the feet of Jesus, which if somebody came and threw themselves at your feet now, we would think like that's a weird thing to do. You could have just asked. Um, you don't have to, the ground does not have to come into play. But at that time and in that culture, that was so much of a show of humbling himself and saying, I have no control over this situation. I'm begging you to take control of this. And Jesus says, of course, all right, let's go. Meanwhile, there's a woman. And this woman has been bleeding for 12 years. The same 12 years that Jairus' daughter has been alive. And because she's been bleeding, she's ceremonially unclean. Anyone who comes in contact with her would become unclean, which means they couldn't go to worship, which could, means that they couldn't participate in public life. She's not a leper, but she's not far off from it. Because anyone she touches has to be ritualistically cleansed. They're not at risk for 
catching what she has as you would be if you had touched a leper. But at the same time, they still are, anyone who touches her has to withdraw from the community. So this woman has had no one to touch her, no one to love her, no one to care about her. She's broke because she has spent all her money on doctors who have tried to fix this. The implication there being that there were some doctors who took advantage of her. They knew she was sick. And so instead of offering her a real cure, they took her money. But even the doctors who had tried to help were unsuccessful. And now she had no money left. And she could really be a character out of our own world, couldn't she? Because a lot of times we see people who are also at the fringes. And they're at the fringes because sickness is a a pretty slippery slope into poverty. If you've got social media, if you've got Facebook, you've probably seen something called a GoFundMe where you can donate money not to a cause, but to a person. And there are so many GoFundMes where people are sick and they can't afford the treatment because they've exhausted health insurance or they don't have health insurance. And so now they need help. This woman could be somebody that we know today. Somebody on the fringes. And because this woman has not gotten help from any doctors, she's not gotten help from anybody else, there's not much she can do. She's not supposed to be in the crowd. She shouldn't be there. Anyone she bumps into could be considered ceremonially unclean. but she knows that help is going to come from no other place. And as a last resort, she goes to see Jesus. Now, Jesus is with Jairus and, is, and, and all the crowd and is going to rescue a little girl. The little girl's 12, and within a year, she'll be 13. And as weird as this sounds in our contemporary culture, she'll be eligible for marriage. Mary, the mother of our Lord, was, not much, was 13 or not much older. And so this, this girl was, within her final years of, of being a member of her parents' house, and she was their only daughter, and they treasured her and loved her, loved her enough for her father to go throw himself at Jesus' feet. And they're on the way for this precious little girl to be healed so that she wouldn't die. And here's this woman in the crowd who is seemingly precious to no one, who's been left out on the fringes of society. And so... She does the only thing she thinks she can do. 
is she reaches out for Jesus. See, Jairus, Jairus has used the official channel. Jairus has gone and thrown himself at Jesus' feet. Jairus has, has made, has done what was socially acceptable, what he needed to do, and asked Jesus outright for help. But because of the suffering and shame of this woman, she didn't feel like she could use the official channels or the front door. She had to find another way. And if you just read scripture off the page and you don't spend the time and do the sometimes hard work to imagine these people as real, living, breathing humans just like you and I, it all seems kind of cardboard. It all seems kind of flat. But think about it for a second. She touched the fringe of Jesus' robe, the hem of his garments. This isn't like she's walking by and she just kind of slips out her hand and touches Jesus like, tag, you're it. She touched the fringe of his garment. This woman on the fringes knows that the fringe is the only hope for her. And so from the fringe, she reaches out for the fringe, which is the bottom of his robe. She's not standing. At best, she's leaning over. But if you've ever tried to walk while picking up a bag of Skittles that you've dropped on the floor, you'll know that walking and leaning over is not difficult, especially when there are people jostling you around. It's likely that this woman is on her hands and knees, that she's risking being beaten and bruised and trampled on by the crowd. But this is what she's doing to reach the fringe of Jesus' garment. And so she stretches out her arm, crawling. Jesus is on the move. And she stretches out her arm, and she's crawling, and she's trying to get to Jesus. And finally, she gets his fringe, and she's healed, and she knows it. And she thinks, I've gotten away with it. He's healed me, and my shame never had to be exposed. But Jesus stops. And this creates a whole other scene. Because imagine you're Jairus. Let Jairus come alive for you. Your daughter's dying. And if you're a parent, you're, you have raised this child from, from birth. You, you are acquainted with this child's physical existence, with, with health and with unhealth, with with good life and with disease. And I think Jairus had this sense that the end was near for his daughter, which is why he went and got Jesus. And now Jesus has stopped, and the crowd has stopped. 
And Jairus doesn't understand why Jesus has stopped. And Peter doesn't understand why Jesus has stopped. And you can kind of sense Jairus going, come on, Jesus, why have we stopped? We've got to go. Let's keep going. And we don't have any other information than what the Bible has said. But is Jairus like nervously pacing? Is he tapping his foot? Is he begging and pleading with Jesus? Has he grabbed Jesus' arm? We don't know. But we can imagine that if we were in that situation, we might do all of those things. And so Jairus wants to get going. He wants to go save his daughter. But Jesus is interested in saving another daughter. And so he says, who touched me? And Peter, being very practical and pragmatic at this point, says, Jesus, there's a huge crowd here. Anyone could touch you could have touched you, can we get going? He doesn't say, can we get going? But you can imagine this. And Jesus, no. I felt healing power go out from me. Who touched me? And now you're the woman. And you have heard that you've been caught. Because you didn't go through the official channel. You didn't do it the right way. You thought you could sneak in. You thought you could sneak back in to the land of the living from the fringes by just getting a quick tap of the fringe. But you've been caught. And your shame is about to be exposed. And what you've done is about to be exposed. But she knows she can't hide. She knows who she touched. She knows what happens. And so she stands up and she explains all of it. And she confesses. And if you can't in these lines hear the tears, hear the trembling in her voice, She began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. The whole crowd knows her her story. The whole crowd knows what she's done. And the whole crowd waits because they know that this this Jairus storyline is running in the background. But they also see what's going on here, and they are just waiting, waiting to see what Jesus does. And Jesus could have said any number of things to her. But he says one word, daughter. Beloved daughter, cared for daughter. There's a little girl who's dying, who has somebody to go and beg and plead for her. But daughter, you have had to go this alone. And he speaks to her in a way that no one had spoken to her for so long. He speaks to her in a way that restored her dignity as a person as a human being, 
but as a child of God. And if you're a child and you, you, you have a happy childhood, if you're, if you're blessed to have a happy childhood, you feel safe and you feel protected and you feel loved and you know that your parents love you and care about you. And, and even if your parents, even if you grow up poor or even if you grow up you know, with your grandparents or an aunt and an uncle, if you've got people, if you're a little kid, you just want somebody to love you and to tell you that it's going to be okay and that they're protecting you. And Jesus gives this to this woman in one word, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She's restored. She's in the fringes no longer. Because she came from the fringes to touch the fringe, and that touch of the fringe has now healed her. And so now she can be part of the worshiping community of God's people. Now she can be part of her world again. She can touch. She can love. She can feel. She can hug someone. She can be whole again. By touching Jesus, there's the implication <clears throat> that she could have made him ceremonially unclean. Does Jesus make mention of that? No. <clears throat> Does Jesus chastise her for that? No. Instead, Jesus just calls her daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. But there's the other situation at hand with Jairus' daughter. And now a messenger says, she's gone. Don't bother the master. And again, all eyes are on Jesus because Jesus has stopped to deal with this situation and probably all eyes are on the lady, the woman. And so Jesus says, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid, just have faith. And so Jesus accompanies this father, Jairus, who doesn't know what's going on, who doesn't know what to expect, who's been told not to be afraid, but if you've ever been afraid and somebody says, don't be afraid, you don't instantly suddenly become not afraid. And so here's Jairus going off with Jesus. And they get into the house, and Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and goes on in. And everybody's weeping and wailing, because that's what you did. You would, you would bring some people in to make sure that the mourning happened appropriately. And Jesus says, stop weeping. She's not dead. She's just asleep. And they laugh at him. Because they know she's dead. And by being dead, this little girl's now ceremonially unclean. No one can touch her or they'll become unclean. No one but Jesus. And so Jesus takes her by the hand 
for the second time in the, the past half hour, becoming ceremonially unclean. And Jesus says, my child, get up. And she stands up. But he says, my child. He doesn't treat her as something that is on the fringes of society, a dead body. He treats her as a child. There's no life in her. But he still treats her as a child, someone to be cared for and healed and made whole. You've got one, you've got two women. One who was brought back to life through the official channels, and one who reached out in desperation. One who had a long, painful story to tell, and one whose story was just beginning. And what do we do with this? As followers of Jesus, how do we look at this? And how do we apply this to our lives today? What is this telling us about Jesus? It's that Jesus isn't concerned if we come to him through official channels or if we reach out in desperate faith. Jesus just wants us to come to him. This woman had been on the fringes of her world, but she reaches out out of such genuine faith that it doesn't matter that she didn't do it the, quote, right way. It just matters that she does. And she's whole. She's been healed by Jesus, free from sickness, but free from shame, freed from being outcast. And likewise, the little girl, Jairus' daughter, she's been freed from the fringes between life and death. She's been freed from the shackles of just being a thing that's lying dead on a bed. She's alive. She's whole again. Her family is whole again. And she's got the rest of her life ahead of her. When we think about who we are as God's people, sometimes we can put up some ridiculous barriers to getting into God's kingdom. We think that if somebody, somebody has to say the right thing or, or be the right thing or say a particular prayer, but Jesus doesn't care. Jesus just wants the sort of faith that reaches out from the fringes. And it doesn't matter if you use the, the front door or the back door or the side door. Just show up to Jesus with faith. 
Get on your knees like the woman, like Jairus, and throw yourself at Jesus. With whatever's wrong, with whatever's troubling you, with whatever is, is the pits in your world, whatever's pushing you to the fringes. But when we see people who are trying to get to Jesus, we got to look for them. We've got to look for these people in the crowd. We've got to look for the people who are at the fringes and welcome them in. The church isn't Jesus, but we represent Jesus. The power and the presence of Jesus is available to the church. And God's people walk in the ways of Jesus in the world. And if we see people coming from the fringes, even difficult people, even undesirable people, even weirdos, when we see people with genuine faith that Jesus is who he says he is and can accomplish what we say Jesus says he can accomplish, when that sort of faith is seen around us, we need to welcome people in because there's a whole world that's hurting. And there are groups of people that the dominant voices in our society have pushed to the fringes. And they're looking for help and they're looking for healing. And may the Lord give us eyes to see and welcome the people who are on the fringes.
What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Grant to us, Lord, we pray, the Spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may be by you enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. That prayer is our prayer for the week on evening Bible reading and prayer. Uh, we do that six days a week on our Facebook page and our Instagram page, profile, whatever you want to call it. Um, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Church, and you do not have to have a Facebook account to watch those videos. They're all set to public, so you can see those. And our Instagram is One Baptist Church OC. And in both places, it's the same video. We're reading through the book of Mark. And then uh, we do that Tuesday through Friday and Sunday. And on Saturday, we have a reading from the Psalms. And then we'll, we'll have that prayer that, that we just prayed uh, every day through the week. Uh, so please join us and, and get a little scripture uh, into your life every day. Uh, it's always good to have God's word living and active within us. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We thank you for being attentive to the Holy Spirit. We pray that you, by the power of that same Holy Spirit, will have discerned the presence of Christ, discerned the life that Christ wants you to live, and discerned the unity of God's people as you've worshiped this morning. We want to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer today. 
We want to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for the music today. We'd like to thank Katie Witham and Gary Hunley and Jim Leatherman for being our creative scripture readers today. And we'd also like to thank Gary Hunley and his wife Doreen for being our audio engineers. Remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.